So I want to welcome everybody to Core Voices. This is your space for your voice. The topics that you want to be talking about, that you want us to lift the taboos on, break the silence and smash the shame. This is what we want to do in this space. A few housekeeping rules is that this is a space of openness and no judgment. And I would be very grateful to see that reflected in the comments. Past few weeks, there were a few edgy comments and it's difficult to talk about things that make us uncomfortable. It's even more difficult when you're posed and faced with negativity. So I would ask if we can be supportive to each other and hold that space so that we can figure this out together. Nobody has the perfect answers, but when we share dialogue and we share our stories, then it means that we have a space to heal and explore and support each other. And that's what Core Voices is about. If you haven't already been over to the Core Voices Facebook page, go over there and hit like. We've just set it up, so we're gonna be bringing up some more beautiful content for you. And if you like what you're seeing in these shows, then I humbly request you go and support us at corevoices.org. Today on the show, I welcome a wonderful sister and an amazing guest, Maisha Dyson. She's a former actress, professor, entrepreneur, turned author, public speaker and creative producer. Producer, Sorry, I can't speak today. <laughs> Maisha Dyson is also a radio and television presenter, which is amazing. Her latest project, United We Slay, Maisha inspires women and girls of color by sharing the untold stories of badass women in sports, entertainment, business, lifestyle and culture disrupting the way women are portrayed in the world and in an effort to discover what women empowerment truly is. This is something that we all need in our lives. And I am honored to welcome <laughs> Maisha to Core Voices. Welcome. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. Such an honor to be here with you today. <laughs> Thank you, Maisha, for being in this space. I think that it's, it's very... Um, what do I say, wonderful for communities to come together. And often there can be too many divides um, of, especially between the brown and the black communities. And this is a conversation that we've been having over a few weeks. Um, and we need to do more to actually bridge those gaps and have conversations together because underneath it all, we're all the same, we're all one. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think those conversations can be led a lot easier when we operate from a place of being human first mm. and recognizing that we are part of humanity. Absolutely. And those are actually the values that sit at the heart of Sikhi, which is the faith that I practice. And it's the messaging that's supported in this space on SickNet of yes. oneness and unity and that together we're stronger. Yes. Because the truth is, underneath the skin, we have the same parts, right? Mm -hmm. We were born healthy with everything intact. Mm -hmm. The difference is, what I call the sun may have kissed us a little <laughs> bit longer, right? Different hues. Mm -hmm. uh, and then culturally, depending on where we're descendants from, our experiences in the world, would be different. It's just a different story being told based on where you're from. Absolutely. And so from that point, if you can develop empathy and mm -hmm. 
curiosity to start and ask your mm. brothers and sisters just about what's your experience. It is what it is. It's it's not a against. It's a this is my experience, you know. Mm. And so, therefore, you can welcome each person in front of you, and just listen, you know, in in that regard. So, yes, this. This is like this resonates so deeply with me, and I'm sure with everybody that's listening as well, because mm -hmm. the founder of the Sikh faith, Guru Nanak, mm -hmm. spoke exactly those same words yeah. and taught those very same principles. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that we can actually model what this can look like for others, so that it inspires other people to actually have these conversation in every space, not just in small isolated segments. Agreed. And when we think about um let's say diversifying your friend circle. Mm. Do you open your refrigerator and have the exact same thing in there? Just 800 bottles of ketchup? No. Do you open up a drawer and just have one of the same t-shirt? Mm. No. So why not diversify your life with people the way that you do in every other aspect of your life? Yes. wouldn't make it just that much more interesting. You know, um, I don't think we take away from another person when we ask them about their life mm -hmm. and their experiences here on earth um, as a certain culture. We learn from it. So right. again, I feel on a spiritual level, if our goal is about love, it's about understanding, compassion, and empathy. Mm. If you put those shoes on every morning, I think things will be a lot more tolerable, right? We, we have bad days, no one's perfect. Yes. But underneath it all, we all have some of the same basic needs, to be loved, to experience family, you know what I mean? To feed ourselves. And so when we get into this, these mechanisms of division, mm -hmm. who against me? My faith is right, yours is not. My skin is better, yours is not. It mm -hmm. is almost like a competition of three-year-olds. It's very petty, <laughs> it sounds silly. There's no end goal, there's no prize. Mm -hmm. right? So what a waste of energy, what a waste of money, what a waste of war, what a waste of power. When at the end of the day, if we drop into any cultural society, we start with the same basic needs, mm. survival, love, wanting to feel loved, you know? And so those things transcend and they don't have ego. And it allows you to operate in a space where you can build relationships should you choose to open your heart. Mm. And in my experience, that's been the real currency. It's been a very good currency because that's how you grow. Yes. You know? mm. So <laughs> I think that's beautiful what you said, and I agree. It's, it's actually an amazing way to start the show is to give such a beautiful takeaway mm -hmm. um, for all of us who are listening to reflect how diverse is our social circle. Mm -hmm. So something for us all to think about. And if you see too much of the same, mm -hmm. then you need to change it up. 
Yes. So that's what Sangat is. That's what Sangat is like con a gathering of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And this is Sangat, what we're doing. We're having a conversation consciously, intentionally to learn about each other and about each other's experiences. Having that exchange is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think that this needs to be encouraged for us to learn and to grow. And that is the right currency to be investing in. Mm -hmm. And now, now is a wonderful time as we see things shifting in the world mm -hmm. as it relates to social justice, mm. especially for minorities, people of African descent, uh, here African Americans. And so now at the forefront are those tough conversations. Mm. And it's the perfect time to ask. And if you don't know how to ask or are afraid to offend someone or if you think you're going to make someone upset with how you ask, you just simply start by saying, I'm, I'm curious. I would like to understand. Mm -hmm. Again, lead with that compassion question. Who can yeah. be upset about that? Yes. We don't know what we don't know. So it's really about how we ask. Yes. You know? I think that's really important. In fact, um, my brother was sharing with me today. He's an engineer, so he has to go out and visit people's homes. Mm -hmm. um, and today, he, he's probably going to be watching and say, why did you share this? <laughs> um, but he, he was met with that today in three different cases um, okay. of people who were possibly curious, mm -hmm. but their way to ask the question was quite offensive. Mm. Um, so I think that's important, is knowing how to express your curiosity in a way that is not upsetting for the person that you're asking. Absolutely. And maybe it's checking if there's bias in how you're asking. Because hmm. sometimes people are prejudiced and don't even realize that they are. Hmm. So the approach is incorrect, right? It comes off harsh. They don't know how to word it because it kind of, it was led by some, let's say yuck, right? Like a yuck, sticky valence. Hmm. You have to stop and ask, what lens am I seeing this before I ask the question about it? So, mm -hmm. for example, you could have a woman who you just meet and, you know, say she may be a black woman and, and we know that she may be divorced and it may be someone from another culture who'll look at her and say, well, who's your baby's dad? You go, mm -hmm. Because in their mind, they've seen media that, or, or reports that, oh, well, these women are typically unwed. So you have to stop <laughs> and say, wait, you know, from what point am I asking this question? Because mm. there's, that's not true. It's an it's a assumption made for a whole, right? And, and that's not the correct way in which to do things. So Absolutely. yeah, a lot of people fail in just that point of not recognizing where they may have prejudices before they engage you know absolutely and definitely important to have those sensitivities to know how to have the conversation yeah so that we can actually grow and come together mm -hmm. I want to ask you how you are and also how you're feeling because you're in the US and I'm in London yes. um, the current climate of race relations yeah currently in America how, how are you feeling about that Ah, uh, so right now, I, I feel like I'm standing in a place of calm and empowerment. 
but the subject of race relations in America has been discussed and needed to hit this tipping point. Okay. It took the unfortunate death of George Floyd that, mm. you know, the world witnessed uh, a man who was handcuffed, unarmed, um, being killed, you know, uh, in front while being filmed while the world watched. And time stopped. We held our breath as we witnessed it. Was this the first time this has ever happened to an innocent black man in America? No. It's happened many, 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 many times throughout generation. Different tools, it may not have been a knee, it could have been a lynching, but the difference was we were home due to COVID. People were not out at work, they weren't at school. We were home and as someone filmed it, the world watched and it was the tipping point where now everyone saw what the African-American community had been complaining about with our law enforcement. Law enforcement, law, law officers are supposed to protect you. Yes. When children see police officers, they go, oh, you know, they run and feel safe, talk to us. We learned about you on career day. But unfortunately in the black community, it doesn't always mean a happy ending. It doesn't always mean when you get pulled over, you're not gonna start having anxiety because mm -hmm. someone has decided that they didn't like you based on the color of your skin or that they judged your entire culture based on the color of their skin. So this tipping point has now opened the conversations. We noticed that when people went out to peacefully protest, you had white, black, Asian, Indian, Latin, Latin, Latinas, everyone was there to support because they saw what we had been trying to communicate. And so my culture, my people, we mourned. We mourned because this grown man, as he was losing his breath while it was being filmed and the officer knew he was being filmed, he called out for his mother who was deceased, right? So it's almost calling to that ancestor, like I'm headed that way. Mm. When he called out to his mother as an African-American woman and mother, I felt all mothers heard him. Mm. All of our hearts said, whoa, whoa. Mm. You know, we, we just, it was a war cry. Mm -hmm. And there were four men who sat on this man for eight minutes until his breath of life was removed. Heartbreaking. We were shocked. Um, I was shocked because of the generation and time. I mean, these are things I would not have, wish I did not have to talk about to my child, you know, um, or to worry about for my brothers and my nephews who are black men in America. Mm -hmm. But when we see that, we know that they're, what, they're a group of people who are capable of doing certain things, okay? So that conversation needed to happen. You know, um, and it goes back further than that, where we really kind of have to peg what narrative is being told by whom. You know, if I go back throughout history and I say, well, what is the history of African-Americans uh, creating a genocide upon a culture or racial group? 
There's not one. Hmm. When I think back to even my ancestors, let's say Africans, creating a, a genocide among, you know, a massive group, not talking civil war, right, of, of their own in present day, in history, you haven't, we haven't read this in our books, in our history books at least. Okay. Mm. So when the story is told from a perspective of, I need to look good, we know that there's some lies that haven't been told. And eventually you're going to vomit. If you keep pushing stuff down and pushing stuff down, you're gonna say enough, right? Exactly. And when I, you know, and again, the same people who wrote the history books, when we go, okay, well, what genocides and massacres have you done? <laughs> and I look to Native American culture. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're, they're not even necessarily pre all present and vocal to even communicate what was done to their people, right? So it really becomes an interesting way that people are seeking truth mm -hmm. and people are going to do their own research and understanding of what is the history of Africans in America, mm -hmm. starting back to slavery. Um, what is that discrimination about you being inferior, us being superior? Mm -hmm. And that legacy is, is starts from how we got to America. See, a lot of Americans who are here and enjoying the opportunities that come with this amazing place can forget if it did not happen to their people or ancestors. Africans did not come to America by way of a cruise ship. We did not come with identification and passports. Mm -hmm. We did not come sitting comfortably on an airplane here in search of a better life. Mm -hmm. We were on the west coast of Africa with our families, farming, being mothers, you know, uh, being spiritual leaders, working. And the only way I can call this is a mass kidnapping occurred, right? Wow. They to call it out, that's the truth. Oh yeah. I mean, when you say slave trade, there's a sense of dehumanizing the fact that these are people. Hmm. I'm gonna give you an example. If I were a Caucasian girl, seven years old walking to school and a van drove past me and kidnapped me and put me in a van and took off. And later my parents found me, they would say I'm a survivor of kidnapping. Hmm. If those same men took me and sold me to other men for sex, they would say I'm a survivor of sex trafficking, hmm. 12 million Africans were kidnapped and brought to America and they referred to them as slaves. These were human beings, okay? See the difference in just the description. Yeah. So it sets the tone mm. when people aren't human. Oh, Maisha, what you just said is so deep, like mm -hmm. so deep. So it goes further, you know, um, once we were here, think about that for a moment. There may be a hundreds, hundreds of thousands of children missing right now in America. 
12.5 million Africans were kidnapped from Africa. From their home. From their home, shackled, put in the, the bellies of these ships during those times and only the strongest survived to get here, okay? Hmm. And then what you can only imagine is the atrocities that happened. You take us from a warm climate into the south of America. You shackle and separate families. You sell them on selling blocks. You breed them like we were animals. Mm -hmm. You remove the husbands, you rape the women. You make the children work and for free for 400 years. Hmm. At what point were the survivors of this with each generation not going to say enough? We have, we've given you everything we have. It's time to acknowledge us. We built this place. Okay. So much of our history, we helped the same way Native Americans helped them navigate when they came to the U.S. They taught them about the land. They shared their food. They yeah. showed them how to survive. And what did they get in exchange? Betrayal. Betrayal. We are spiritual people first. Yeah. The same with Native Americans. Mm -hmm. We do not have a history of going into other countries and causing genocide. Right. So we have to be sensitive to the narrative. You look at what is birthed through those pains, whether it's our music, blues, jazz, hip hop, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you name it, we created it. You know, um, even down to the U.S. Constitution, where we were not even acknowledged as human beings for a while. They called us three-fifths, three-fifths a person. Have you ever seen three-fifths a person? Is that just the neck up? Is it the shoulders down? Is it just the say, say Okay, what? I'm just, what? In the U.S. Constitution, Black people, African Americans, were only considered three-fifths of a person of a person meaning we had no voting rights we were not a whole person wow which makes me think were we whole people when our grandmothers breastfed your children as your nannies mm. when we tilled your land when we built up america so again you got to kind of stop and go what is going on and you keep prevailing my people keep going, they keep going and they keep going. Mm. So again, what we see today in race relations with America is hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And everyone who now can see it, I think people are more having a spiritual awakening. They said enough. And so this was long overdue. And now they're asking for our stories. They want to know about our cultures. They're saying, tell us about Black-owned businesses and what books can we read? And we go, about time. We've been here. Mm. But where there is guilt and fear, you don't always want to have the discussion. Right. So I don't know. I, I say if it's difficult for people to talk about it, imagine having to live it. Yes. Right? How absolutely it's i mean some of the things that you've talked about i've had these conversations with black friends of mine mm -hmm. um, so i see the overlaps um in terms of what colonization did to particular parts of the world africa yeah. being one india being another um 
And there's, there are some similarities, but for 12 million people to be kidnapped from their home, their homeland, which is rich and flourishing and thriving, and there's no poverty, there's no hunger, there's no disease. Yet this all emerges later, once 12 million people have been kidnapped. Yes. And then labeled as not being human. Yeah. And don't forget the natural resources found in Africa. Yes. We're talking diamonds, mm -hmm. gold, mm -hmm. oil. Yeah. I mean, we can go on for days as we now look at certain groups who are there mining mm -hmm. while Africans can't even, you know, afford to profit from it. You see other cultures there who are once again making a profit. Hmm of someone else's land and not giving back to the people. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's truth in everything that you're saying and there's no doubt about that. There's a lot of pain that comes up as well. Like as you're talking, I'm feeling the pain within me because mm -hmm. for this to happen from one human to another is not okay. Um, yeah. And when we use color as a way to create prejudice yeah. and, oppress others that's yeah. also not okay um but any type of oppression is still oppression any type of a wrongdoing is still a wrongdoing and it's yeah. hard to think about how how do we find a way to make a shift like is is a shift possible a shift is possible when you undo the systematic racism that's in place so after slavery there were still hurdles that were set in place to keep a certain group down, okay? So let's talk, for example, you have the best schools. Let's start with just grade school. And you put them in a community where the homes around there are a certain amount of money. And so only that group who has that, that amount of money have access to the great education. For those less fortunate, you don't have it. So you're gonna put them in an area. So see where there's a there's systems in place. So that group has only access to less of the best. They don't have the healthcare because all the top doctors are going there. It's about money at that point. Things were still put in place to keep people 400 yards from each other, 400 miles from the race and say, go. So it still is not even as systems are put into place from our prison systems, you know, the, the disparity of brown and black people in US prisons because mm -hmm. of the money being made by these institutions, that was intended. This was completely shocking to me. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a beautiful sister that I had on, Michelle Sahin, mm -hmm. she shared with me that mm -hmm. prisons are a for-profit system in the US. And yes, that is that is volatile, that is disgusting, and I can't believe that. It's slavery, remasked, reinvented, yeah. dropped into this millennium. It's free labor, once again. And mind you, the penalties for the crimes are never the same. You may have a white man who is on cocaine who gets arrested, they send him to rehab. They may find a little baggie of cocaine on and they send him to rehab. That same black man may get five years in prison. Yeah. It is such an interesting perspective to have different guard stations in place to make sure that things are not on the up and up. Banks, 
not allowing loans to families who just want to buy a home may say, mm, you qualify for $750. But this couple right here is going to get $200,000 because of preferential treatment, because they had access to those institutions that they thought looked better on paper, meaning you present yourself different. Right. It is exhausting to be Black in America. There is a, a video of a woman who's a professor, and I hate, I can't think of her name, and she's an amazing um, white woman who is lecturing in a hall. And she looks out to her students and she says, how many of you right now at this point in time would trade places with a black person? Raise your hand. Not one. Mm -hmm. Subconsciously, then that's telling you that someone knows somehow I may not be black, but I know I, I don't want to be that. Yeah, that's Jane Elliott. Jane um, Elliott, thank you. She's incredible. And I, I, I read this too, I actually saw the video. So she's in a room full of white people mm -hmm. and she asks them to stand up if mm -hmm. they want to be treated the same way as black people in society. Yes. He stands up and then she repeats. She said, I don't think you understood me. Right. I want you to stand up if you want to be treated the way that black people are being treated out there, and again, nobody stood up and she said, so you're telling me that everybody in this person now, none of you can deny that you are aware of what is happening to black people out there because none of you want to be them. Yes. Anybody who denies racism or denies the way that black people are treated, that calls you out straight away. If yeah. you don't want to be treated that way, it means you're aware of it. You know it. Yes. And then with that awareness becomes responsibility comes responsibility, mm. right? So now that you know, you have to gauge yourself. Have you ever done anything about it? Have you ever said anything? Have you ever helped someone who you know may have been black? Because you already know that they're not treated fairly. Mm -hmm. Why not have pull them closer? Why not get to know? Why not ask? If you know for a thousand percent, there's no way in hell you would switch places. What's the problem? Why, can why can't you ask? You know, why wouldn't you offer? Why wouldn't you sit and just, wouldn't you want that? You, you know, and, and again, maybe I operate differently. If I saw a child fall in the street, I'm going to run and help that child. I'm not going to gauge first what race and culture and their beliefs are, what their sexuality is. It's someone's child. That's Absolutely. all I know. So again, it's with the same uh, empathy and mindset that I really want people to start looking at other human beings. I think that there's a lot that we've been brainwashed through what media perpetuates in messaging. Yes. And um, I know that the Sikh community is aware of this because we've been labeled as militants and terrorists. Right. We are a very, what do I say? We are a warrior clan, but we are also a very peaceful people. That is the embodiment. We're, we're trained to be warrior saints. Yes. And those are the ethics of being a Sikh. Um, but for political agendas um, and advancement of other communities, Sikhs have been painted in this way. And a lot of people are not willing to learn about our story because they've already accepted that label. And it's the same for black people. Yeah. But having been criminalized through the media, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of community and a lot of people listening here and in other spaces, um, they've already got a preconceived notion and yeah. they feel that, 
oh, the law is there to provide justice. Therefore, if somebody's been arrested, in my head, one and one equals one, they can't fathom that there could be an unequal equation or an imbalance to that situation where injustices take place through those very same legal systems. Yes. Um, and therefore, they're, they're disassociated and there's a lack of empathy or a lack of understanding. So they're like, oh, well, this is your problem. Yes. You deal with it. I don't want to get my hands dirty for your problem. That's correct. But it's one of those things that if we strip down the just basic necessities, mm -hmm. if you have a community of people and imagine it's your people, no matter what your, you know, your racial background is, and you build this community. Don't you need a grocery store that maybe has fruits and vegetables and the basics so that you and your family can eat healthy, right? Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. Do you understand in still certain communities and neighborhoods and major cities here in the US, they don't even have a, um, the basic necessities of just a nice grocery store in which to eat, to survive. So we're talking survival, all right? And then we talk about the hospitals and access to just doctors and proper things. Well, it feels like it's it's tightening on you. It How can you thrive when the basic necessities are not accessible to you? You have to get on buses and trains and go further out to try to compete for just some of the basic necessities in order to move forward. So I don't think most people know this. They don't. And it's one of those things, like you said, it's until it happens to your family, then they go, oh, I understand. Are you going to tell me right now as a man, for men, men listening, if you are a father and you have a, a spouse and children and your family is starving, and right now you don't have access to any single thing. You go out and you just ask people, can I just have a morsel? Can I just have something just to make sure my children do not sleep right now with their stomachs rumbling? Mm. And say you walk down the street and a man has a cart of groceries and he's sitting there thinking, do I take this knowing it goes against my moral code, but then there are four mouths at home to feed, Lord forgive me. And he grabs a, a simple grapefruit just to be able to feed them each individual slice. Is he a demon? Hmm. Some things are circumstantial. Yes. You know, it's just, it's like the same with women when you see in very poor, disenfranchised cultures. Hmm. You're quick to judge that woman who may not have had a skill set due to education not being allowed to her culture. Right? Hmm. Happens. Uh, where they say, no, women are to stay home and to do certain domestic things. Mm -hmm. so, you know, in the male of the house, say if he dies or pass away anyway, this woman may not have, and just the bareness, you know, of being able to provide for herself, she uses what she has, for example, of, of her body in order to exchange just for money for food. Is she a demon for feeding? So again, things can be circumstantial. Yes. But we don't know until we have the conversation with Please tell me your story. It is very quick to judge. Mm. So we have change happening. Um, the beautiful thing is uh, being African-American in my generation, unlike my parents, I think this is the biggest generation of millionaires, billionaires that we've witnessed. And we have to learn now to take the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and learn how to fight smart. Right. And for me, and in my opinion, it's going to come from financial economics. Mm -hmm. Having your own, building your own, teaching your children about it, entrepreneurship, education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because no one can get in your own way if you are given space to cultivate that. Yes. So we are not looking for handouts. We are not looking for government, you know, uh, crutches to fall back on. All we're saying is get out the way. Right. There's an opportunity that is supposedly equal for everyone. Allow us all to run for it. The moment that you hit that pistol and say go and move out the way. Mm -hmm. Don't put any extra hurdles in our place so that we can finally experience equality. Can I ask you to share with us a small explanation of something? So um, the sister I, I told you about, Michelle, she mentioned something called redlining. And I'm familiar with this, but I don't know if everybody who's listening is familiar with what redlining is because it currently only affects black people. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, well, now in the U.S., not just black people, um, you can say, oh, yeah, it could be Latin Americans. Mm -hmm. um, oh, gosh, yes. And believe it or not, there's actually tears to the racism in America. Our history is the longest. Again, you would have Native Americans if the majority of them were not, you know, murdered in the mass genocide. Mm -hmm. You know, you find Native Americans living on reservations, isolated, a very small group. This was their land. They are the indigenous Americans. Okay. Would you say that reservations are treated the same as the projects? Yes. Yes. And what you will find in present day, and again, you just go back and read history on your own. Native Americans are spiritual yes. beings. I'm talking of the earth, from the earth. I mean, they, the most spiritual and peaceful people, also warriors, as you should be, mm. but they had a balance and they respect the elders and they respect family. And they had family values I think many cultures can relate to. Yeah. When you find them in present day, due to the atrocities that have happened to their people, the lack of resources, um, you have alcoholism that is running rampant in their community. I mean, that that's a sign of depression, right? That's a sign of, sign of escapism. Disempowerment. Uh, oh yeah, you know, unfortunately also, because um, you have a lot of corporations who maybe, in certain areas where the reservations are located, the women have been um, a high uh, surge of sexual assaults against them. These are voices that are silent. And mm -hmm. so, you know, your show is about raising your voices and being heard. My heart hurts for that community first and foremost. Mm -hmm. They were the first ones out to gate, out the gate to, to know what a group of certain people were capable of. Mm -hmm. Second, the longest history in America would be with African-Americans. Mm -hmm. Then you have um, an influx of um, Chinese Americans, you know, who also came in during the gold rush and uh, Latin Americans, people from Mexico coming up. And you just start to see, I mean, even with present day, our present day um, president, Trump and his words against Mexicans. This was, it, this was their land. This is North America at one point was part of the Mexican territory. Like open up a map. This is history, these are facts. So mm. when people go, well, that's not my problem. It actually is. 
Yes, it is. You know, learn to think for yourself. When you see media portray a certain group as violent, they didn't get that way overnight. Yes. This is a conditioning, a conditioning, a conditioning. If I took a child, locked them up in a cage, treated them a certain way, and 60 years later, let them out, you're either gonna have a monster on your hands who never forgot mm -hmm. what you did, mm -hmm. or you'll have someone so beat down and docile that maybe they'll die. They'd rather just go on and do that escape, right? Mm -hmm. These things don't happen overnight. I, I agree. I 100% agree with you. And um, the, the reason that it's important for me to have this highlighted here is to show the unity of how we, as people of faith, because that's who we are, there's, this, there's so many similarities in everything that you've just shared about Indigenous people, about Africans that resonate with Sikhs. Yeah. Um, the land that was once ours in Punjab was taken from us. Mm. from riches we went to rags right. and we've been redlined in India in yeah. Punjab and the people there that were of faith that were of values and of culture are now drowning in alcoholism poverty and taking their own lives yes and I it's important for us to highlight that this is a pattern of power mm -hmm. people who who are run by politics mm -hmm don't see humanity will act as animals yeah and history is there to speak to the truth right yeah. and well i mean when when sikhs look at things they they look at we all look at our own little window like what affects my people right yeah. but this is why these conversations are so so important to say hang on a second same thing's happening to you mm -hmm. that's it so, so redlining is like about restricting we're mm -hmm. going to restrict where people who are poor have access to, mm. and we're gonna restrict to the benefit of those who have where others can't come and enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's basically gates, right? Or fences that are put out mm -hmm. to keep them out and to keep you safe and protected in. To keep control. To keep control. Mm -hmm because the rich want to get richer, remain more comfortable, and they have a scarcity mindset. Yes. If you have and I have, then that means I can't have what I need. I'm not my spirituality. God yeah. creates an abundance. Mm -hmm. God, my God did not make one morsel of sand, mm -hmm. one drop of water in the ocean. Mm. No, not the God I know, mm -hmm. not one human being. There's for everybody. There you go. There's no such thing. No such thing as scarcity in the world that God created. Now, with the destruction that man did, okay, maybe. Yes. Let's stop from there, but we have to have some ownership, right? Mm. And our part in the destruction and what we add to it. Are we speaking life into it? Do we speak death into it? What are our actions to support that? Mm. So we all have a part to play in that. And what is that part? That part is to treat others the way you really want to be treated. And I mean that with the assumption that you are healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, mm -hmm. someone who doesn't love themselves is not going to have that capability. I think that's when self-care is important. 
checking in with yourself, you know, and how would I want someone to handle me in this situation, in this exchange? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like we said, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. Right? We dropped into certain bodies. But as I sit here and look at you today, we are the same complexion. Mm -hmm. So is black just a word? I've been to India. There were people darker than me. Yeah. They're not black. Mm -hmm. So is it just a word? Right? Mm -hmm. We have to look at that. Yes. It's, it's the person and the experience and the journey underneath the color of a skin, the same way your t-shirt is the color that matters. What's what's happening with the the soul, the mm. person behind you know? Yes. So, thank you, Maisha. I'm just I'm so grateful for this exchange because mm. it's time for us to stand together. It's time for us to unite as humans. Mm -hmm. And when we when we break it all down, we are all the same. We've yes. got faith. We've got something that is bigger than us that drives us into greatness and goodness, despite the oppression, despite the atrocities and the injustices, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not that there's anything unreasonable being asked for. We're asking to be seen. Yes. And right now, the world needs to see that Black Lives Matter yeah. because they are most at risk in this current climate. And it's for us as brown people and all different colors and hues of people to stand together because this is as much my fight as it is your fight. Yes. And and I'm gonna explain Black, Live, Black Lives Matters mm -hmm. as told to me by my 12 year old daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's out the mouth of babes that we get purity and honesty with a very mm -hmm. clean heart, right? She said, you know, mom, this is the way I, in which I see it. It's like a classroom, of teach, a classroom of children have been told to go outside to play for recess. And she says, when they are called back inside the classroom, uh, the teacher sits and has everyone go and sit back at their desk. And there's a little boy who hurt his knee while he was out. And he decided not to tell the teacher. He says, it'll be okay. I'm just going to kind of sit and deal with it. It's not too bad. I can handle it. So the next day she tells the class, go on out again, it's recess time and enjoy yourself. And he runs out again, but this time he falls and busts open his knee and it's bleeding profusely. And he comes back into the classroom and he says, I'm not doing okay, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And the teacher goes, okay, well, I'm gonna go get a Band-Aid for everyone. But he would say no. Everyone is not in need of a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who's hurting. Mm -hmm. That is the analogy to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. We all know that everyone matters. Mm -hmm. But is the ones who are hurting right now, who yeah. are bleeding, mm -hmm. that we're asking humanity to look after. Right? Yes. So it was from her words, I said, that is a beautiful way to look at it. And I know in her, <laughs> and I know in her heart, there is no prejudice. We didn't teach her this, mm -hmm. you know? She doesn't know, those things are taught. They're taught at home. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very simple. And that's how simple it should be for all of us to see that, of course, all lives matter. 
Mm-hmm. But all lives are not being threatened and at Correct. risk right now. Correct. If we can stand together, mm-hmm. then we've got, a, we've got hope to actually live in that space of uniting the whole human race as one, which mm-hmm. is the teaching of the 10th Sikh Guru, the 10th Master of the Sikhs. Mm-hmm. He teaches us to see the whole world as one. That's what it means. Mm. So with our eyes, there is no difference. We are all the same. Yes, that's right. Because at any time, you know, the targeted group can change. And we've seen that happen with Mm 9-11. The words and the negative media that surrounded our brothers and sisters from the Middle East, Mm -hmm. it was atrocity. Yeah. You know, and if you've ever experienced oppression, you you find it repulsive yep. to find another target group. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's about your sexuality. I don't care if it's about your spirituality mm-hmm. or the color of your skin. Right. Once you have been oppressed, how we're we're not rooting for that. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, new day, new target is how we see it. Unfortunately, mm. you know. But again. Mm-hmm. There's a fear of power that comes from the oppressor. But then how do we, as the minority, how do we fit in to those spaces where we make the minority and they are the majority? You know, the irony is that I feel that people of color globally are actually the majority. If you really start from that truth, right? We don't see it that way, though, because the people who sit in the seats of power, they feel like the majority because their voices are louder and people listen to them and they're able to bring action, whereas we get silenced or we just remain yelling and they'll lower the volume and that's it. Agree. But what's one way to speak volumes without necessarily using your voice and making an impact? Stop spending your dollars with them. Stop spending your euros. Decide mm. collectively as racial groups to just sit and only do business with each other and watch them listen. Do you understand black women alone in America spend billions of dollars? Black women. If they said, you know what, I'm not spending another dollar at these corporations that we don't own, you better believe Nike and Lululemon and Adidas and all these companies would come running. So you mm. get them where it matters, because we do matter. Yes. Again, look at who's telling the narrative. Mm. So the biggest fear is that we realize our, our power, we use it financially. Because what, again, history tells you, what is the biggest priority for oppressors? It's about money. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about power mm-hmm. and control by way of money. It's greed. It's always greed. Hmm. I like this. This is an incredible suggestion. Mm-hmm. And I I don't even think it should be a suggestion. This should be compulsory for all of us. Yes. If we want to make a difference, if we want our voices to be heard, then only spend your money with companies, with small people, business owners that are run by ethnic minorities. How about that? What if you only did business with people who look like you? Guess what you just did? You put food on that mother's table. Hmm. You helped that farmer keep his farm open. He was feeding a whole town. Hmm. You open it up and it's community-based. And guess what? Everyone's winning. 
So you're creating opportunities of win-win, which to me is God's way. Yes, to look after each other. Yes, you love thy neighbor as you would yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Think about that. And these little suggestions or comments we're making is, should be common sense, but common sense ain't common. Right? <laughs> common sense is not common, absolutely. No, you, you wanna start eradicating, you know, um, lack of food in the US, start planting fruit trees along the street. So at least our homeless can at least start there, right? I mean, it's that simple, it's a seed. Fruit I'm growing on the streets, yes. Yeah. You put gardens, put fruit trees. Let people come and take the fruit. Yeah, and listen, it's not something expensive. I could cut open a papaya now, take all the seeds out, plant them somewhere, go and water them, and you would have that fruit growing right there. Cucumbers, we're seeing it now with COVID. My daughter and I just decided to do an in, in, inside garden. And I'm growing vegetables from, you know, inside of our, our flat, and I'm tickled by it. And I go, is that from little seeds come my organic garden? Norway is spending $50 at Whole Foods for. So really, come on, humans, if we wanted to do for others, we could start with the basics. Yes. You know, you yes. have third world countries who, I mean, look, let's even look at Cuba. We're talking a communist little island, but they have better health care for their people than we have in America. Mm. One of the wealthiest at one point you know, the, the powerhouse and had horrible healthcare. Because again, pharmaceutical companies, big business, you follow the dollars, you follow where the money goes and you see what is their goal and who benefits, which means who's losing. Hmm. And that's the real war. This is not about race. Yeah, this is not about race. It's about greed and others not having the ability to have, right? Absolutely right. I mean, you said it beautifully, absolutely beautifully. It's the small things, those tiny little seeds that will give birth to life-nourishing fruit and plants and vegetables, yeah. right? And yeah. if you start even with that, those two small steps to plant fruit trees, fruit plants in your garden, in your front garden, put a little sign saying, please help yourself. Yeah. Right? That, that's that's going to help. And when we're only supporting small ethnic minority businesses, mm -hmm. it will change. It will definitely change things up. Mm -hmm. You could put fruit trees along the major streets that head to subway stations. Mm -hmm. Let the fruit fall. It didn't cost anybody anything. Mm -hmm. It didn't take away from anything. The fruit did what they were supposed to do, which was grow and prosper. You know, they, again, these are God's laws. It's when man comes in and shakes it up. Things that, get messed up. Yeah, we hurt ourselves. <laughs> so I want to switch to learn more about United We Slay. Mm. I want to know that why in your journey you felt that amongst all the other battles you're fighting, that this is something that needs to be brought to the light, to the front line for us to join forces with and understand. So can you tell us more about United We Slay? Sure. So United We Slay was created, uh, it was birthed out of two different purposes. Uh, the first started just within my own social circle. 
Mm. I've been alive now um, for four decades, and I look at my social circle, who I who I always call just my family, and I've met women from all different ethnic cultural backgrounds who are just amazing. And I would, you know, ask other people, have you heard of so-and-so and what they're doing? I, and they go, no, I go, oh my goodness, her story needs to be told. And so again, just looking at the diversity, I, you know, I, I noticed an imbalance. How come I am not hearing about my wonderful friend who is, you know, Indian American who just created a meditation superhero toy, the first in history. How come I'm not hearing about this on American news? Mm -hmm. Or what about that African-American woman who was kidnapped, sex trafficked, and then escaped only to save 1500 women and children of any ethnicity in America? How come I didn't hear about her? Mm -hmm. And so I said, wait a minute. There are so many amazing women I'm coming across who are heroes, inspiration, impact changers, and their stories are not going to be told because they do not look like what the majority, and I say that laughingly, mm -hmm. want them to look like. Hmm. So I said, no, we're gonna hear the untold narratives <laughs> of these women I come in contact to, with every day. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I, you know, I um, gave birth to a, a daughter and she is an incredible, curious young lady. And I wanted her to know and see people that look like her and her mom's friends mm -hmm. who were doing amazing things in this world. Mm -hmm. It was not something I could turn the television on and be fed. So we started with the radio show. Now I am in development for a docu-series where we're gonna see women from every ethnic background throughout history who we have not heard about. Mm. Because what that does to that young girl, like yourself, right? At one point, or audience members, as a child, you sit there and go, she looks like me. Hmm. Do you mean to tell me I can be a prime minister? Right. Yes. Right? We believe that which we see first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you mean I can be a physicist? You mean I can work at NASA? You mean I could be a DJ? Mm. I can be a skateboarder? I can be a snowboarder? And they have a curly afro like me, skin care, hair like me. Mom, they pray like me. They're Muslim like me. Mm. Come on, if that's not powerful. I would have loved to have seen that when I was a kid. To have seen women wearing turbans who look yes. like me on the screen, you know? That would yes. have been amazing. Yes. So imagine, right? And you're, you, you've already done well for yourself and just spiritually and taking care of yourself and still pushing through, although you were not represented in media. Mm. So mm -hmm. imagine, now is the time because my daughter's generation has an opportunity to grow up and not be wounded adults. Yes. Right? Based mm -hmm. on not being seen and invalidated and not honored and not respected because mm -hmm. we were quote unquote different. Yes. Right? Yes. 
So it was birthed out of those two <laughs> necessities. I, I love that. And in your opinion, how do you see the lack of this diversity? Like, what impact does it have on women of color? It makes us think we can't do something. It's almost um, it's almost like a bad bad joke. Like a it's almost a mental. And I, I don't I don't want to use the f word. It's a mind f. You know what yeah. I mean? So can I say, like, think of this. We remember we talked about God having an abundance, right? Everything he mm -hmm. creates, she, he, whatever. I believe God is he. At one point, if someone said, Maisha, name a black supermodel, mm. I could only give you one. Mm -hmm. Naomi Campbell. Well, okay. Name white supermodels. I could go on for days. Doesn't make sense. Maisha, name a black president in the United States. Barack Obama, name the, a white one. How mm -hmm. you get one, and we're talking about out of a billion people on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. That does something to you. That's not, that tells me I've got a one in a gazillion chance of being what my soul is begging to manifest as Hmm. on this planet that uh, something's off with those numbers absolutely the game is sounds rigged <laughs> yeah. systems rigged the system's rigged mm -hmm. uh, you, there should never be one of one mm -hmm. Come on. Let's open up the opportunities in that. Right? This, is, this is what uh, diversity hires are, right? It's that token one person that, okay, checked off my diversity hires for this quarter. And right. right. And so when that, when you talk about diversity, even in the corporate setting, even that's a joke because we know people who have culture, you now have dual culture. You have to speak two languages. You have to speak corporate, for example, in America, corporate American language where my Ivy League kicks in, the tone of my voice, the tonation, I am here, I'm just as bright, and I'm better than you, has uh -huh. to kick in so that nobody feels threatened. I have to play the American corporate game. Mm. And then I take that hat off when I get home and I'm sitting with my mother and my brothers and my nephews, and I just wanna be a black woman and understand my culture without having to explain myself or someone touch my hair like a chia pet as if it grows out any differently. Mm. I have to have two identities mm. still win mm. where I read somewhere in London, there was a law in place where children of African descent or mixed could not wear their hair the way in which it naturally grows. God doesn't make mistakes. My hair does not grow from the root mm. straight. It is as curly and kinky intentionally. Mm -hmm. How dare you tell me that I have to straighten press and pull it back and braid it and make myself presentable just to make money in your game for your financial gain? Mm. Give so, me a break. A few things that I read in, in my research that mm -hmm. I've done. Um, so looking into seat music therapy, this was a huge part of it. That What was the impact of the historical events and specifically colonization? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out in my head is their perception of us, us. And um, 
what what is written in these books of history these are not my words these are the words from those books of history is that um the white man was civilized and the people of color the indigenous people the african people were savages right and when we take somebody's faith away from them we are still treating them that same way right. to say that i am civilized i know what presentable looks like and you do not meet that criteria therefore you have to conform to my description of presentability mm -hmm. although that defies your natural makeup created by god there you go and that's that's still another layer of oppression that we're we're still engaging with out there it is and i'm going to give you a specific example of that and it in its hypocrisy in west african culture you have a religion that's referred to as yoruba mm -hmm. and they're very much present uh, a hierarchy of a god and demigods mm -hmm. okay do you know during the slave trade they still held on to this religion this this religion base religious basis and they were able to hide the names behind catholic saints same people so mm -hmm. right so let's take um our lady of guadalupe would be known as ochun in yoruba tradition so the catholics had the exact same hierarchy had saints who you call on for certain things and yet african people had the exact same thing they were not called saints they were called deities different language mm -hmm. you saying red in spanish rojo and in french rouge doesn't mean i'm savage we're saying the same thing mm -hmm. but catholicism is not looked down upon catholicism right is global and is acceptable and it's considered sanctified. You have people who have the exact same structure in place, the exact same rituals happening because rituals happen in Catholicism. You see them coming down, down the aisle with the incense and da, 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 almost speaking in tongues and which book do you wanna pick from as far as sacrifices being done? So what makes that savage and yours not? The narrator. Right? Absolutely. Hypocrisy. Mm. They had a God. We have our God. You have your God. You have names of demigods in some culture. We always have had spirituality. Name one community, a country with culture that do not have their own spiritual beings. I tell you, there may be some who don't, mm -hmm. but as far as people of color, I know of Lakshmi and Narayan, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has their saints in place or people of higher, you know, ancestors that crossed over that we gave name, except for some. And those are the ones I'm finding to be the oppressor. Where's the spirituality in this? It comes down to spirituality. We were not savage. We knew how to manifest, work with the land and what God gave us. We had natural herbs to heal. Mm -hmm. We could feed the sick without your corporate hospitals. Right? We could make hair grow and, you know, wombs fertile and yeah. bring the rain down. 
because of our faith in God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's spirituality. Absolutely. I mean, everything you said applies to India as well, right? Yes. It's the same type of people, same type of land, different ways to speak to that spirituality, yeah, but essentially yeah. the same language. It comes from the heart and goes straight to God. Yes. And the beauty, I mean, I witnessed in India, um, I was there with an organization called Brahmin Kumars and um, all the dadis, these 90-year-old women who were so wise, who you would thought you would think God was whispering in their ears because they were so intuitive and were able to um, just share wisdom that could transcend anyone's background. And the way these women looked, they looked better than 30-year-old women. And it started with the spirituality that sat within them. You know, yeah. and I said, wow, we don't have elders made up of women in the U.S. leading our churches. Mm. Another group that's forgotten, women. Yes. Women yes. throughout history. Mm -hmm. It's time everyone gets a chance to be acknowledged. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we just have to, we have to find the way to come forward and step into those spaces. And um, one of the things that I was looking at when I was learning about United We Slay is you say dare to be different. Mm -hmm. And I like that. That resonates with me. But can you share for our, our listeners what that means to you? Yes, it means you don't have to conform. I think that God talks to each individual individually. So who am I to tell you how to express yourself where you just may be that next liberator? You may just may be that next prime minister. You mm -hmm. just may be that next astronaut. You came here to share your truth the way that it was whispered to your soul that wakes you up every morning and drives you mm -hmm. and you're living in purpose and living in service, right? Yes. So it speaks to me in that way. You are supposed to do this. This is the way you're so be different. Don't conform because mm -hmm. it, yes, because it doesn't, conforming doesn't mean it's the right way. It may not be the way that that seat was planted in you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you talk about women, women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes this phrase can be met with opposition just because of a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. um, I've been asked that, does women's empowerment mean the disempowerment of men? So oh gosh, no. <laughs> Again, because I'm for something doesn't mean I'm against something. So I want to start there. If no, so get no, no, no. Pro something, and and again, empowerment doesn't have pro in it. It's power. So it means in the foundation to give strength to. Mm. So again, for a group, we'll call the female group. It could be the transgender group if you relate as a woman. The group that has not had a chance to be on the world stage and receive the accolades and just attention that they deserve, we have food for you. And this food is called empowerment. It, it, it's elements, information, aids and tools to help you become your best self. That is empowerment. Hmm. 
and you can come and eat from it in any way that you see fit that speaks to your soul at that time. Mm -hmm. That's the intention behind women empowerment. It's support. It's we're here when you need us. This may help you. <laughs> okay. And what's your definition of multicultural badass women? Wow. So multicultural. Um, I look at even just my own personal lineage, right? My existence in this world manifested in the blood in my DNA. Uh, you know, I did the DNA test to find out exactly, you know, certain things we knew by word of mouth in our family of our ancestry, but many of us could not document it because we were sold and mixed. But um, I knew West African, Nigerian to be specific. Um, I knew Irish, probably hence the green eyes, the red hair, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as well as some British and Native American, Iroquois, I'm from upstate New York. So I have many cultures. I am not just one homogeneous by way of West Africa today. Mm. Right? So I think in terms of what America was originally created for, this is, was called the melting pot before we had people in power who said this is not about diversity. When has America not been about diversity? It was a melting pot. So when I say multicultural, I may decide in my spirituality to adopt a different faith that didn't originate in the United States. I may decide at some point in my life, you know, how I identify myself and sexual. So multicultural meaning everyone unique, different mixture, non-homogeneous, right? Hmm. Non-homogeneous. And so that is the multicultural aspect. Badass means that you showed up and made impact from where you are in your community. Doesn't have to be televised, doesn't have to be on Instagram. You just showed up. And whether that was reading with someone else's child, feeding your neighbor, yep. you made impact. Did you change someone's life for the better that day? In my book, you're a badass. In a society where we are now putting people on pedestals for doing nothing, yep. I call them trickless magicians. Mm -hmm. So yeah. now we're back to the basics. You know, what did you do to make someone else have a, a smile or make their life easier? You're a badass. If it's not about you and you're operating from a place of service, you're badass. Mm. So that's the premise behind it. Oh, I, love that. <laughs> I love that. And we we all love we all love stories. We all love examples to understand things in play. Do you have a story that helped you to connect with your own empowerment? The men and women in my family. And again, it goes to me saying women empowerment is not about being against men. In my home, the love and strength that my father pours, poured in me since I was a little girl, he made me feel like a superhero. Mm. I stood on his shoulders. And then my grandmother with her wisdom who sat and I would sit at her feet and ask her about her life and what it was like to fall in love and tell me about what it was like for you in segregation where you had to drink from water fountains that may have just been black only, but the water tastes the same as the white only. Mm -hmm. And my mother who was such a social activist, militant woman, you mm -hmm. know, on the outside you think, oh, this gentle, fair skin, but the inside she was a beast. My bloodline 
our community, mm -hmm. the love, the fight, the passion, that is my personal inspiration and, and very makeup of it. You know, we, are, we were community-driven, community service giving family. And, and that is so powerful because it's the coming together. You know, in Christianity, we, we were taught that um, if, if two or more come together in my name, I am present. Mm. I feel that in spirit. If we are here today coming together in common purpose of sharing knowledge, wisdom, there is a strength, an energy mm -hmm. that you can feel. We can get things done. We can activate. We can create. Mm -hmm. Trying. Absolutely. No doubt. So that's the place that I operate from and was inspired by. And it mm -hmm. was that village of people, good and bad, who mm -hmm. impacted my life. Yes, directly. And, and so here I am today. You just show up. And none of us are perfect. You just show up. <laughs> and get the work done. <laughs> but that takes so much courage and, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you showing up for yourself and for us as well oh, to be in this new space and to share these experiences yeah I it does me joy to see people who look like us right it's the real world right it's mm -hmm. the real world and it when I see it now and I'm able to do my part in it and help create it I think of us as as five-year-olds and go, how tickled pink would we have been to see us as a Marvel character? Oh. I've yet to see an Indian woman, and I know you guys are badass. I mean, I know, my, my again, my, my sister friends from the culture, you know, yes. and, and, and Asian-American, like, and, and not even American, it, it transcends that, you know? And so, yeah, it's like about time, hello, Disney makes some more characters that look like the people in the world if we're going to tell the stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're going to have to have our own animations and our own Disneys, right? Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. More people need to demand it. Yeah. And nowadays, because we have our own media outlets where you can create your own show, nothing should stop you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know that there's a lot of young women and all all different ages of women listening to us um, mm -hmm. who might be wondering like when you're trying to be seen or trying to use your voice sometimes the hardest step is that very first one mm -hmm. um, and it's always wonderful to take inspiration from other strong successful women like yourself mm -hmm. can you share with us what was was there a turning point for you and what was that for you to come in and claim your power well, I, I think for me personally, um, I was comfortable speaking up, having had a background in theater and acting. Mm -hmm. um, for me, acting was not about fame and wanting to be seen. It was a spiritual journey that started. In order for me to become another person, I have to ask Maisha to step aside and bring in the spirit of the character whose story I'm about to tell, which means I'm about to slip these shoes on if I'm doing this authentically. And there's an intuition that comes in it. It's a meditation that comes in it. 
it's a trust that comes in it between you and God to channel, be a vessel for this mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. So if I could do that with a writer's words, I learned after my career of acting that it was really about speaking from the heart. Hmm. And my comfort in public speaking came from that place. Um, there was a moment where I was teaching and consulting people, whether it's corporate people, the everyday man teaching about public speaking as a, um, as a teacher. And I tell people, when you speak from your heart, you cannot go wrong. Mm. You speak from here, there's no judgment on that. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. No one's going, oh, but you, you, you broke up that verb, or oh, you, you stuttered. When you speak from here, as we have seen many young souls at protest, age, age didn't matter. They got yeah. it across. We felt it. So it's really about the intention. What's the intention coming from here? Can't go wrong. So you don't have to worry about perfection when we have that, um, that apprehension. Mm -hmm. If someone told you your voice doesn't matter and you believe them, I need you to know today that that lie was not about you. Someone told them that. Hmm. And so they transferred that fear onto you. So guess what? Shake it off. It wasn't yours in the first place. You, didn't, you don't have to own it. And then say, what is it that I know? Because mm -hmm. everybody has some experience of something that they know. And if it's part of your story, it's even more special. Because no one's going to tell you right or wrong. It's your story, which mm -hmm. means that's your journey. I don't know it. It's yours to have, not mine. So go on and say it. We're just going to listen. We hold the space for you. So be fearless in that. Be fearless in that because it may be your particular words that unlock that one thing to someone else's purpose or heart or life. Yes. Man, like talk about power, right? Yes. So. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Just like sprinkling so much wisdom and I'm reading through the comments as well and everybody's really enjoying everything that you're saying and resonating. I'm so, so grateful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, the last things I would like to ask you about is cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and mindfulness arounding, uh, around it, arounding it. I can't speak. <laughs> yes. Huh. So with our admiration for other cultures, come responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. If we mean well. So we say mindfulness, meaning be aware of, be in the present moment of what it is you're learning mm -hmm. about the culture that you wanna share with others or what it is you're adopting from that culture. Why are you doing it? You know, what is it about? And are you teaching from a place of ethnic at, um, authenticity, you know, are you doing it from a place of service and healing? Do you have enough wisdom? Did someone who 
educated you about whatever it is, whether it's teaching, say, yoga? Did you study from some that person, someone of that culture? Can we just start there? Right? This is a big topic. I mean, this is one that kind of, you know, yeah. I've had this conversation with, with friends as well. Um, and it's, for me, hurtful to see that um, people have, like, in the Punjabi community, have mixed feelings about yoga. Um, mm -hmm. I see it as a tool to be helpful, to help us tap in with our bodies, our synchronicity and our communication. Um, and actually the music that I teach um, comes under Nad Yoga, if you've ever heard that. Um, mm -hmm. It's known as the art of communication, knowing how to express. And it's, it's skills that you need to learn that require deep mastery and deep knowledge. Um, a lot of my Punjabi friends won't learn yoga in studios that don't have teachers that are Indians. And I understand why. Yes. I mean, if you want to be a master of something, would you not go to the masters themselves who've been doing this for centuries? Right. The, the painful part of it is that if the system was balanced and equitable for all, mm -hmm. I think that there would be less um, tension around it because you have like these incredible masters of yoga who live in India mm -hmm. who are completely disconnected from the corporate world of yoga that exists in the West, which is one of the biggest profitable businesses now, right? Right. The people who benefit from it are not people who come from that land. Mm -mm. Not at all, um, which is really interesting. So we're talking about the commercialization, mm. capitalization. It's now about money. You know, there are women here in California who are teaching it, maybe never been gone, decided to do the research, but they have extra disposable income possibly, you know, due to their spouse where they can afford to go and make this a, a living and tell you the poses. But when you look maybe behind some, behind some hardened eyes, you don't see the spirituality in hostile, hostile yoga teachers. I've seen it. <laughs> I usually walked in and out and go, I don't feel any of the yoga. And like, this is the most tense experience I've ever felt in my life. Right. And so when you're coming from a place, because I find India to be a very sacred, special it like, is. There's a reason souls keep reincarnating to that place, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you hold it sacred. You're not in it for the money. Mm -hmm. it, it was never the intention behind its origins. It was there to transcend. It was there to be in touch with. It was there to commune with yourself, God, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So cultural appropriation is not always authentic for us who watch others activate it unapologetically and recklessly. It's painful. You know, to that I do say enough. Mm -hmm. I do say uh, I want to hear from you. You know, I did look for that when it came to people I know that were not black uh, appropriating our culture. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what you had to say about Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Were you more concerned about your brand than your stand on it? Mm -hmm. I wanted to know mm -hmm. from my girlfriends who are super excited about dating and being engaged to and having babies for celebrity black athletes. 
Did you stand up now that you have mixed children? Mm. Are you able to get on those lines and protest with them? You know, we say, if you're gonna like our rhythms, take some of this blues, the rhythm and blue, take both. Yes. Come on yes. to the side if you're true to it, right? So it's interesting, right? Yes. And again, it goes back into the narration, what's being told. So you say, um, one point in time in Africa, they're known as savages. Okay, the women were also known as not beautiful because they were not non-European. Right. But now I look and I see women getting their lips injected to have lips like me and my ancestors mm -hmm. or buttocks implants to have what me and my mom and family go to the gym to work off. We're just <laughs> like, this is how we're built. Right, well, that's look like you. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, but it wasn't in vogue until like, let's say Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. They said, on a white woman is beautiful. We had this forever. And it was, oh my God, look at that. They, look, isn't that deep? Same thing. So deep. So deep on so many levels. Yes. So cultural appropriation, have some responsibility. If you can come on and do it, take all of it. Mm, take yes. <laughs> I remember being called a curry pot growing up, right? Oh. And now the sorts of people that would say that are the ones that are going to, you know, go to the local Indian restaurant and order their, you know, whatever they order. They're, I was going to say chicken tikka masala or I don't know, whatever, right. whatever else they're going to be eating, right? But right. there it's okay. So right. that, that for me is like uh, very displaced. Yes. You know? that they, if you want to step in and taste the culture, either dive in or, or stay at the door, right? Don't, don't wear the dresses like their costumes, because to us, they matter. Yes. Yes, be, be um, mindful about it. Do mm. not make this a Halloween costume, as I've seen in the US. Mm. You know, and the, the list could go on from geishas to you name it, you know, like at some point, yeah, you just have to stop. You know, you just have to stop. I don't know. <laughs> And again, I don't know if we're more mindful because we come from ethnic groups that have culture where maybe some just don't. And so they have no reference point. But I could never imagine disrespecting a community and doing that as someone who ha comes from another culture. You know, like, do, are, is that, are we leading with that? Like that it just does, I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. It makes sense, right? <laughs> so is it like, how can we help others to be more mindful around cultural appropriation you tell them just don't do it at this point because we just <laughs> we're just over it I think, just stop it it really just go in and give a compliment you know how about that how about we keep it old school you, mm. you, you give praise where praise is due mm. you know be like oh my goodness i love this i love your attire i love it tell me about it you yeah. don't have to go and rock it personally be yeah. inspired that could be enough I see mm. artwork, I'm inspired. You don't see me painting Picassos at my home. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really just about complimenting and, and, and enjoying and watching the, ador the adornments. Mm. How, do you, how do you, as the person of color in that situation, deal with something that's uncomfortable? Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, 
you can relate in terms of hair when people have come and, oh, can I, can I touch your hair? I've had that with my turban. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, is that? And I'm, they're, they're touching me. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, yeah. I did not give you permission to touch me. And I yeah. didn't give you permission to touch my crown. Like, this is sacred for me. You don't come and just like put your grubby hands on my crown. No. Has had it with his beard. It's like, oh, oh yeah. they just, they've got their hands already in the beard. And they're like, can I touch it? And they're, they're already. <laughs> no. What do you do? I, I don't personally allow it. Because like you said, it's they're, already, they're already there. What about they're like already touching you? I, I do step back because it is at some point an invasion of personal space. You know, for so many perspectives. One, are your hands clean? Mm -hmm. Second, is your spirit clean? Yes. <laughs> you know, like what is it that you're transferring on to me? But do we have to wear these as signs? So I should carry a little sign here that says, before you touch my turban, Please ensure that you have asked your asked my permission, washed oh, yeah. your hands, got oh, your yeah. intentions in check. Like oh, I, I how in this civilized culture is it okay to come and like in, invade your space like that? It's like seeing a, a random pregnant woman and just going and rubbing her belly. Like yes. why would you do that? Yeah. And she has every right to say, whoa, step back and put her hands around. And you know, I will say here in America, we've now kind of got a funny sense of humor around it, where on Netflix, I think it is, there's a, a TV show called Dear White People. And it, everybody that I know has seen it, diverse, cult, you know, backgrounds, white, black, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. They watch it and they fall out laughing because it's based on some stereotypes, but things that are also true to us culturally. And, you know, the, the opening episode is do not touch my hair. And so like there are t-shirts that say, yo, ask me first before you touch my hair. So it's things you can giggle about, you know, but it's something that from a young age, my daughter from preschool, she goes, mommy, the teachers want to know, can they touch my hair? The kids want to know. And so she, I had to tell her how to communicate on her behalf. I said, do you, would you like for them to? Does it feel good when they, she goes, no. I said, then you have to say, excuse me but please so imagine you're four excuse me but please don't put your hands in my hair and so she became fierce about it mm. and people began to respect that mm. because the same way that i would not come up and just put my finger on your nose the same <laughs> you own your body and you decide who you give permission to touch it this is not a petting zoo <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's not a petting suit. No. I need one of those t-shirts, but I need it to say, please do not touch my turban. Do you understand how much money right now you could probably make and sell that you know where people could relate? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna call you after we're done on the show. Oh, <laughs> Set it up. <laughs> absolutely. And the same with the hair wraps and you know, in, in, in African culture, and we wear scarves sometimes and bandanas here in the I get it. If it's on you, it is for a reason. Yes. So it's about me. I mean, I can understand how it would be fascinating when it's new, right? Mm. And there's, there's that entry. It's like a child, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I get that layer that, okay, it, it might come from a place of genuine curiosity. And because you're so drawn into the curiosity, you literally lose your sense of social conduct and you're just like up in someone's face. I hear you. I've never had that urge. I have never walked into a Hasidic Jewish community and want to touch someone's yarmulke. 
mm. I just would go, oh my goodness. Like, again, I still, I love and appreciate or celebrate cultural differences. So I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Or, oh, hijab. I mean, you just gotta, gotta think different. Like, again, it's like having a passport. You go and it's like looking outside of a window when you land in that country and you just see the beauty of what that culture is presenting. I don't mind being in awe and that's enough. I don't have to go and run and touch it. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm -hmm. I and not program that way. Not, <laughs> it's food that's a different, you know. Yeah, or I'm like, oh, I want, I love not. Like, I'm like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I want my chutney. Like, I want to taste. But that's different. That's me being greedy <laughs> in my palate. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it would be completely different. I don't even know how to wrap my head. <laughs> okay. Just say, do step back. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna have a T-shirt of instructions of step-by-step oh, yeah. -step checklist of oh, what yeah. to ask somebody who wears a turban and how to ask them. <laughs> yeah, and it's so beautiful. And again, like the symbolism, right? I like when I see um, men with beards, and that's something my father had just growing up. It's a sign of masculinity, but I, I just see it as the sacred masculine. Mm. Like my good, like there's a reverence for that. It's a reverence. It's very godlike. Mm. Who am I to go run and touch her? You know, and again, it tickles me because going back to um, what I was taught as a child <laughs> and the stories you hear in the Bible, how people would run and touch the hem of Jesus just to be healed. Mm. Different purpose, right? Yeah. They had heard about his miracles, but for them, it wasn't just <laughs> let me you know, the annoying, they mm -hmm. want anointing. They yes. wanted ease from dis-ease. So it's just different. Mm. They want to connect with that energy. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. The sacredness, right? Mm. Oh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Maisha, you have been incredible. It's been such a joy to share this conversation with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. Before we wrap up, is there any message that you would like to give to our listeners? How can they support the work that you're doing at United We Slay and where can they find you? Yes. So we are right now, I uh, use Instagram as United We Slay Media. And so I update with interviews of phenomenal women whose stories either I'm sharing or I bring in experts to help my listeners improve their life. I also post content on there to keep you inspired. And then I will leave updates of what's coming as far as the docu-series, things of that nature. So, you know, communicate with me, follow, make suggestions, leave messages in my inbox. Is there something do you want me to discuss? Is there a person you want me to interview? Is there a badass person in your world whose story needs to be told? Share with me and I'll share it with the world. I use my platform for service. So please, and I love to communicate and I love to learn. So please just stay in touch and work with me and enlighten me so I can help others. And, and that's where we start. That's that's beautiful. Thank you. And I, sorry. <clears throat> I hope everybody's going to go over to Instagram and go yeah. and like and follow United We Slay Media uh -huh. to support this effort and help us all to gather together and lift each other up. Yes, absolutely. And that's it. The beauty of it now is no one should feel that they are isolated 
and disconnected from anyone in the world. We have a global platform and tools and techniques that can now connect us. There is no reason why we should not have a diverse world to learn from each other. From our mouths to each other's ears, no middlemen no, or women telling our stories from a, a screwed you know, uh, a vision and, mm -hmm. and, and perspective, right? Mm -hmm. so let's share each other's stories. Let's sit down. Yes. And have more combos like this. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a joy. Thank you to everybody who joined us, who was listening. Please don't forget to share this video with all of your friends and your family after we're done with the live. Go over and follow Core Voices on Facebook and go and check out the website corevoices.org. Thank you for tuning in to Core Voices Talk Show. Thank you, Maisha. You are wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.